of the sports world i'm gonna be getting into that today i'm breaking down some nfl news of course tom brady is back i did not get to this in my last segment uh but more so not so much about him being back and my thoughts about that uh but more so about the drama apparently that was you know supposedly between him and coach bruce arians who's now retired i wanted to get into that and share my thoughts on that just a little briefly, uh, but then we have uh, some drama going on with the Arizona Cardinals and, of course, their starting quarterback, Kyler Murray. So I did want to touch upon that. And finally, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather is in the news for some football stuff. And, of course, it's dealing with his newfound buddy, A.B. So we're going to talk a little, a little bit about that. And then we're going to get into the NBA, of course. It's the regular season. We are in the midst of the playoffs. So we're going to be breaking down not only the play, the playing games, but, of course, round one as well, the game, well, the first games of round one as well. We're also going to move on from that and talk a little bit about the MVP race. Of course, I feel, I feel like it's a, you know, it's already been, you know, decided possibly, but we're going to talk about the, at least the top three uh, finalists later on in the week. We'll get into the other finalists for the award for the other awards as well. And then finally, the big thing I wanted to get into, of course, we are in the midst of the MLB season. Everything has resolved itself in terms of the lockouts. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to be breaking down uh, some team previews from the American League, and then we're going to also be talking about uh, some scores from the weekend. And then we'll get into what else you can look out for in terms of future episodes. So, so let's go ahead and get into it, like I said, with the NFL. And, of course, Tom Brady found his way back into the league, I would say, a couple weeks ago at this point, And Bruce Arians uh, will retire shortly after that. Now, uh, immediately uh, after stepping aside and, uh, you know, giving essentially giving the job to Todd Bowles, uh, you know, Arians himself would say, like, this is something that he wanted to do. He wanted to hook up, you know, his buddy Bowles. You know, of course, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have all the quotes in front of me. But, of course, he wanted to do a solid for a close friend of his. And, of course, uh, we've heard about him in the past with health issues. So I'm not saying that's the issue here, but it could also be an underlining uh, factor because a head coaching position is a lot of stress. So I'm going to put probably both of those reasonings in there. Uh, also, you know, you know, I guess what's come out later, and this is the part that gets me, is that, you know, apparently, you know, of course, there's always some drama. Now, him and Tom, they haven't seen eye to eye. They've had these, you know, major spats about, you know, personnel, probably referring to Antonio Brown, I'm hearing. Also, just some play calling as well, you know. And there's this other side of thinking that says, oh, well, no, Arian didn't leave. Uh, he was pushed out by Tom Brady. And I thought that was silly, especially now when we've heard about all this this new uh, theory with him going to Miami, uh, you know, and possibly coming to coach or something else and bringing Sean Payton with him. It, again, these are all convoluted stories, in my opinion. 
And they come about because this is the off season and ain't shit going on. Point blank period. Uh, the biggest thing that's going to be happening, of course, we've had, um, you know, of course, the off, of course, the first thing in the off season, of course, we had the free agency period. You know, we've had our trades. Those are those are the things that are going to be happening. Those are important things. Uh, this is a whole lot of conjecture. This is a whole lot of, you know, people seeing things and not knowing the context. Oh, I saw, you know, Arians and, 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 and Tom arguing on the sideline. Look, get over it. They won a Super Bowl together. They had a pretty deep. Play- they had a pretty decent playoff run the year after. Let it go. Tom Brady didn't fall off as a player. Bruce Arians really didn't fall off as a coach. You know, they they, they won a lot of games together. You know, Jerry, uh, I think his name is Jerry Reinhouse, didn't get along with Michael Jordan. Look at what happened with them. Get over it. Tom Brady didn't necessarily get along with Bruce Belichick or Bill Belichick. Excuse me, Bruce. That name come from Bruce. Anyway, you know, it's just always some drama, some extra stories. You know, I would tell you guys, stay away from this type of shit. Fuck all that drama shit. You know, even with Tom and the situation you hear in Miami, I didn't even go deep into that. I just feel like it's, it's nonsense. Did it happen? No. We only talk about what happened. All the rest of that is just to kind of get you, you know, hyped up and to get you to click on the articles or get you to click on YouTube videos. Again, if it interests you, whatever, fine. Uh, but the biggest things right now is what's going on, actually going on with these players. Of course, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Stefan Gilmore just recently got traded to the Colts. So these are things that are going on. We had the draft coming up, which will be, which I'll be going into uh, as the ga- days go on as well. So you know, don't get caught up in in a lot of these, you know, sub, you know, these sub stories. I will call them, particularly now because again, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he's back in the league. He's with Tampa Bay. You know, also, you know, Bruce Arians, he's gone. That's the most important thing. Bruce Arians, it had nothing negative to say about Tom. Tom really hasn't had nothing to say about Bruce Arians. We'll have to wait and see. If that starts to happen, then fine, whatever. But is it really truly a narrative of what we need to be getting into? No. We got the USFL to talk about. So come on now. Let's let's talk about what's actually going on. That that's my my main thing with, with with bringing this up. I think those both of those stories, even with Tom, you know, whatever the plan was with Miami. I, I even I think that's even far fetched to be honest with you. You know, just keeping it real. It's just you know, kind of just for you know, clickbait. Just look at my article, please. You know, but anyways, moving on. Uh, like I said, we have some drama going on with the Arizona Cardinals and of course Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray wants a new tr- contract, and the Cardinals are not. You know, they're not ready to commit just yet. I think he has one more year to go, uh, but again, he wants that that you know guaranteed money. Now he's watching how the market is is playing out, and I understand that. Uh, but I also understand the team's perspective. Uh, I cannot say that he's improved necessarily stat wise over the course of the season significantly. Uh, of course, over his tenure, and of course, we look at the last two playoff appearances he hasn't played as well individually and of course the team hasn't had you know success so you know it's as simple as you know i think what arizona's going to try to do is say look if you can just hold out not even you know that's not the term i want to use because that's something that he might do that i just thought about but maybe if he can just you know hold on for one more year you know show him something win a playoff game I think it's no biggie for them to want to re-sign him to something bigger, something more substantial. 
I think you know they they want a little bit. They 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 were expecting a little bit something more, a little bit more success before they just went ahead and gave him that contract. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, he won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. That I mean, his payment is justified. Whatever whatever Lamar Jackson is getting, I mean, he's led his team to the playoffs at least a couple years. Uh, I don't think he did so. No, not last year. Uh, but you know, of course, injuries and all that affected that team. But again, he's led his team to the playoffs a few years in a row. Uh, again, he's won an MVP. What he's getting paid is justified. As with you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's a multiple, uh, at least a one-time MVP. He's uh, made two Super Bowl appearances. He's you know, uh, he's led uh, the Packers on numerous playoff runs. So, what he's getting paid is justified. You know. For Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, you know, they came up short in their own division. You see what I'm saying? They came up short in the playoffs. So I, I understand the team being wary. Now, we can get into his numbers. I'm not going to right now because we understand that he's, I would say he's a top, he's definitely a top 15, top 10 quarterback. But the thing is, you know, compared to everybody else, and again, look at what Joe Burrow did from year one to year two. You look at, you know, Herbert's progression as well i'm not this is just me i'm not seeing a huge leap from what kyler murray was doing year one and year two to to now that's just me and if i'm wrong i'm wrong we can talk about it that's fine but i don't see i don't see that he's become this you know this great quarterback just yet uh and again you know mahomes he's won a super bowl he's made two super bowl appearances he's won an mvp what he's getting paid is justified. I understand them being, I understand you wanting a bag, Mr. Kyler. I understand people want the bag, but it ain't necessarily up to you. Now, what he could do is he could decide to hold out and maybe force his hand that way. And if he were to force out, I could, for, uh, sorry, force a holdout, I could kind of see where that would kind of influence the team because they just need a quarterback and they know that he's you know, probably the best that they got for what you know their system is and everything. Um, so I think he could force his hand doing that. Uh, possibly if he just said fuck it and maybe just decide for a trade, I say yeah, it might happen. But you gotta be careful where you might end up. You might not end up in a really positive situation or the same type of situation. At least here, you guys are going to the playoffs. You could end up somewhere where you have a lot less going on, like Houston. You know, it, it could be a possibility. I, you know, I don't know what the trade market would be for him right now. I'm pretty sure a lot of teams would be interested. But, you know, who exactly would be the question? We could say Seattle, uh, particularly if they don't end up getting Baker Mayfield. Uh, we could say we could say Carolina. So there's a few teams out there. But, again, I, I don't think they're as solid as, you know, Arizona is. Now, Arizona is even, you know, missing a few pieces right now. Remember Chandler, Chandler, Chandler Jones, excuse me, just left for the Raiders a few weeks back. So, you know, Arizona itself is not going to be the same team. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, during the course of this saga. Um, I'm not I'm not pro team. I'm not pro Kyler Murray in this situation. Uh, I think if Kyler Murray, you know, you know, to get those contracts, you got to win the games. You got to, you know, get the individual stats or accolades. I believe he went to a pro ball, which is fine. Uh, but again, you know, when you're comparing it to, you know, people that only a few that been maybe playing a couple years longer than you, they've already got MVPs. Again, they've already got Super Bowl appearances. It's like, eh, I'm just saying, you know, it's not the same. You can't, you can't make it out the first round. You can't clearly win your division. So it's like, I, I'm not jumping 
But at the same time, he's not to blame for all of Arizona's problems either. Don't don't get me don't get me misconstrued. I'm not using him as a scapegoat, and I don't I don't agree that Arizona is right with doing that. But again, this is their problem. This is their situation to 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 you know figure out you know on their own and with Kyler to figure out what they want to pay him. But is he the scapegoat for why they haven't had the success? No, but he's not has he just hasn't played that great in those games either. So it's a it's a give and take, and they got to figure it out in order to be uh, successful to get past the next stage because they clearly are hitting a wall. That's what it is. Of course, uh, let's uh, finish everything up in the NFL land with uh, my thoughts on Floyd and AB. Not much to say here. We kind of know the situation. For those of you who may not know, uh, just to kind of give you the skinny on it, Floyd is offering $20 million to whoever wants to employ or whoever decides to employ AB. He's, he's you know, willing to eat that if, you know, AB decides to fuck off somewhere. Um, all I'm going to say is, you know, AB... Uh, He's blessed to have the friends he does, you know, uh, <laughs> because I don't, at the end of the day, I don't know if anybody follows through with that and, and signs him, but just to have, you know, all types of people sticking up for him. Hey, he might be crazy and on the fringes, but again, people love him. People got respect for him and uh, they they come through for him, at least in this way. I, I you know, that you, this is a, I mean, for what it's worth, you know, it's a Floyd said that that's his friend and, you know, that's what friends do. So I don't have nothing negative to say about it. I just don't know if anybody's going to bite um, at this point. It's just been so much drama that he's, you know, brought to his teams, uh, just to himself, you know, in terms of his personal legal uh, situations. And um, I don't know if the league wants to deal with that, just like other players we can bring up right now that I don't really feel like <laughs> talking about right now. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things. And, you know, you get, you know, one of the most famous boxers, you know, of all time. Notice I said one of the most. So don't get all in your feelings. He said he's the most and all that. I don't believe in goats. We're animals. We're not. Well, we're animals to an extent, but we're humans. We're a lot different than a lot of these things. So I'm not going to compare us to other animals. I think that's silly. We're great at what we do. He's one of the greatest to, to box. He's very famous. One of the most famous boxers being Floyd. Again, this is all publicity. Publicity is pretty much good, whether it's good or bad. That's kind of how they say all press is good press. That's just what they say. You know, this is coming from somebody who's, you know, a, 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 you know, you call me an amateur in the media world. This is kind of what they say. All press is, is good press. So does it work out? I don't know. Are there teams that need receivers? Yes, we can name a couple. Off the, I can name a few off the top of my head. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Baltimore could do with a receiver. I mean, Tampa Bay could do with a receiver. Even Miami, despite having Tyreek Hill. Imagine, you know, because I think your boy too would need all the help. He can get y'all can say what you want. Jacksonville, same thing. Chicago, but I don't see him wanting to go to a team like Chicago or necessarily Jacksonville. And, you know, AB wants to play. I, I would imagine at this point in his career, he would want to play for a contender, not just get paid um, too. So I don't know about Jacksonville and all the other, but there's a ton of teams that need receivers. So I'm just saying, you know, uh, maybe if Kyler Murray forces himself out of Arizona, maybe they can link up somewhere uh, with Antonio Brown. I don't know. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but 
Again, nothing negative to say about it. Uh, again, it's not like Antonio Brown went crazy. It's nothing to be critical about. Um, it's just Floyd just saying this is my partner and this is you know I'm I'm willing to you know help him out get us another job in the league and that's what partners do. So I ain't got nothing to say. I ain't got nothing critical to say. Like I said, um, you know, good luck to Floyd and AB. Um, maybe you know again, there's teams that need a, a wide receiver, but again, I don't know. Uh, you know, they want to go through all that right now, uh, you know, because they could always draft somebody. Again, we have the draft coming up. We still got another free agency period coming up. We got some time to, you know, make some trades. So, and, you know, do they want to go with all that? That's why, you know, certain people, you know, don't have jobs right now. Baker Mayfield, um, you know, a few other quarterbacks we can mention right now. But we, again, <laughs> I like throwing a little shade out there. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing major, though. But I'm going to take a quick break, y'all. And when we come back, I'll be breaking down the NBA course. Like I said, the end of the regular season is here. We are in the midst of the playoffs. So I'll be breaking down the playing tournaments and uh, playing tournament, excuse me, and the game ones uh, that we had over the weekend. And like I said, we'll get into some MVP talk. And of course, uh, the big story, in my opinion, right now. Uh, what happened with LA this year? Of course, I guess we could talk about both teams, really. Maybe I will. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. some NBA action of course we are in the midst of the playoffs so let's kind of discuss how we got here of course we had the play-in tournament second year in a row it's all new to me I don't get it every day all the time but whatever it is what it is uh but our first round matchup if you could call it that uh, or for, I guess first round matchups you would have uh the Cavs taking on the Nets uh, now the Nets would get the best of the Cavs in this one 115 to 108 we have Garrett, we had Darius Garland going off for the Cavs with 34 points and five assists but uh the combination of Kyrie and KD are just too much really um they're really, they're really good, but again, just unfortunately, we just had these situations go on with uh, the Nets. Uh, for one, we had Kyrie out for so long because of those weak-ass protocols, but it is what it is. They they might be a sneaky good team in the playoffs. I definitely could see them as a dark horse, depending on what happens with Ben Simmons, maybe. And they also have some solid uh, role players as well, uh, because you have both uh, Bruce Brown Jr. going off with 18 points in that game. He was going to have eight assists and nine rebounds, and I'm pretty sure he was a lot. He was a part of a lot of the action in last night's. Uh, uh, well, they came up a little bit short against the Celtics, but it was a good game. But he was a factor in that game as well. Uh, but moving on back to the playing tournament, like I said, the Nets got the best of the Cavs in that first matchup. Uh, we had the Timberwolves getting the best of the Clippers, 109 to 104. Of course, um, the Clippers always come to disappoint. Paul George would score 34 points, five assists, and seven rebounds. Reggie Jackson would do his thing um, to help, I guess, 17 points, five assists from him, and also set the rebounds. Uh, but also the Timberwolves and um, this is a really great young team. Anthony Edwards has really risen uh, to, to the 
to the heights of the league right now. 30 points from him in that uh, play-in matchup and also five rebounds. D'Angelo Russell did his thing as well. 29 points, six assists, and five rebounds. And everybody's uh, favorite, Scrappy Doo. Oh, yeah, Pat Bev himself, seven points, three assists, 11 rebounds. But everybody will tell you he played great defense. He ran his mouth a lot, too. Anyways, we got the Hornets facing off against the Hawks, 132-103. to 103. LaMelo, again, he tried. Um, again, it's just the Hornets and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan just can't put a good basketball team together. You think with all his knowledge and all that, and I don't think it's hurt his legacy, but again, if he was a great, if, if this team, you know, won at least one championship, oh my God, he'd just be, you know, the greatest everything in basketball. I'm just saying, but until that happens, I mean, golly. Uh, LaMelo, like I said, 26 points from him, five rebounds, eight assists. Terry Rozier was his, uh, the closest, sorry, sorry, the closest thing you could consider to be helped. 21 points, three assists, four rebounds. Really inefficient night from Rozier. Again, um, this team, particularly like some of these pieces when they came together, like Rozier. I remember when he was when he came to Charlotte, he was just so bitter about what happened in Boston. And you think that he'd you know take that and use that as a chip on his shoulder, but no, these guys just underperformed. Again, Michael Jordan was better at playing baseball than running the basketball team. Just saying. Trey Young, of course, one of the best young shooters there are. 24 points from him, 11 assists. It's a great passer as well when he wants to be. Uh, and you also got DeAndre Hunter with 22 points, 2 assists, 7 rebounds. And Danilo Gallinari, Italy's finest, puts up 18 and 3 rebounds, as well as a couple assists. So, uh, you know, ATL gets it done. They shoot over 50% from 3. Uh, they shoot 50, sorry, they shoot over 50% from the field and 50% from 3. Uh, they have a... Uh, they had 54 uh, total rebounds in that game. So just everything, you know, you'd want to do right, that's what Atlanta did. And, of course, Charlotte, they didn't do things right. They gave up 14 turnovers and were outscored in the second half, 72-53. to 53. So, again, they came up short like they normally do, unfortunately. Now we also had the Spurs facing off against the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans will get the win 113-103. to 103. Uh, For the Spurs, they were led by Devin Vassell. He will get 23 points, 3 assists, and a couple rebounds. Uh, and for the Pelicans, of course, C.J. McCollum will do his thing. I miss him already. 32 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds from him. Brandon Ingram, of course, coming of age in New Orleans. 27 points from him, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds. And Jonas Valanciunas will get 22 points as well, and also 14 rebounds. So a good double-double from him. Uh, now, this for the Spurs, they only shoot 40%. They had no lead at any point in the game, so they struggled offensively. And defensively, they had no answers as well. So just, you know, everything kind of went wrong for them. Uh, 54 rebounds total for the Pelicans. They will also score 56 points in the paint. So a good balance of scoring from him. And, you know, again, your boys, uh, San Antonio, just couldn't stop it. Uh, we also got uh, the Pelicans in another, the other playoff matchups. Uh, we have the Pelicans getting the best of the Clippers, 105 to 101. Of course, the regular season, or yes, the regular season, I guess if you want to call it that, for the Clippers. Again, ends with a dud. Marcus, War Marcus Morris and uh, Reggie Jackson were both at 27 points. Didn't really matter much. Uh, and for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, again, coming of age here for the Pelicans. Uh, 30 points from him, 6 assists, and also 6 rebounds. C.J. McCollum will do his thing with 19 points and 3 rebounds. And Larry Nance Jr. and Trey Murphy will go off with uh, double digits as well. 14 points for the, each of those guys. And uh, 
the Hawks will get a win over the Cavs, 107 to 101, to secure their spot in the playoff. Uh, Trey Young almost hits 40 points. He also has nine assists and three rebounds. Bogdan Bogdanovich, a bunch of Bogdanoviches, I swear, 19 points and five rebounds. And Danilo Gallinari again helping out his squad with 14 points. Uh, again, um, you know the Cavs they came up short um, this year, and but for what it's worth, they have a good young. They have a good young core. Uh, Darius Garland, he would have 21 points, 9 assists, and 3 rebounds. And Evan Mobley, uh, excuse me, would get you 18 points. And even Laurie Markkinen, he was actually the team's leading scorer. He would get 26 points and 8 rebounds. So there's a lot to look forward to in terms of the uh, terms of Cleveland's future. They just happened to come up short uh, a, couple, a few nights ago. And, you know, they missed out. Uh, but fortunately, like I said, they have some young bodies there. All they need to do is just develop and stay healthy. They should be back next year. I, I thought this was a good run for them, you know, despite coming up short. But let's move on to the playoffs. Of course, we have our game ones to get through. And first off, we have the Jazz getting the best of the Mavericks. They now lead the series, of course. Uh, but they won that game 99-93. to For the Jazz, they were led by Donovan Mitchell. 32 points from him, 6-6 six and six and 6 rebounds. Bojan Bogdanovic, like I said, is a bunch of Bogdanoviches. Um, 26 points from him, 4 assists, and also 5 rebounds. And uh, for the Mavericks, Jalen Brunson will be uh, in, well, well, sorry, would take the starting role in, in terms, sorry, he would take the starting role with an injured um, Luka. He was out with a strained, a strained calf, excuse me. But he will put up 24 points, 5 assists, uh, 5 assists and 7 rebounds. And Spencer Dinwiddie will put up 22, 8 re sorry, eight assists and 4 rebounds. And Reggie Bullock will put up 15 points. So again, uh, the Mavericks played relatively close. Uh, even without Luka, their biggest thing was that they gave up a lot of turnovers. So if they can cut down on the turnovers, actually no, I'll take that back. Um, Jazz, the Jazz gave up a whole bunch of turnovers. I think like 15 turnovers and still won by a decent amount. Uh, Luka means a lot to this team. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Luka would have probably been the X factor because, uh, you know, the Jazz, they only put up 99. They had about, like I said, they had about 15, 16 turnovers. Uh, the Mavs did force a few steals. And again, it just came down to a few, uh, a few um, extra buckets for the Jazz. But, you know, Probably Luka gets the Mavericks those, and maybe he pushes it to overtime or something. But Luka means a lot to this team right now. I think this would, I think Luka would have won them game one. That's just my opinion. Utah didn't play that great, uh, particularly in the second half. That's that's just me. Uh, but thirty three percent shooting from Dallas that would hold them back, and just twenty eight shooting, uh, twenty eight percent shooting from three. Of course, Luka would help out a lot there. Uh, fifty three total rebounds for the Jazz. Of course, you know that's what they do. They got Rudy Gobert there. They had thirteen offenses, so they would get multiple second chance opportunities. So I will give them that. That would that would be kind of like uh, what kept them uh, pretty much on top. But in that second half, um, you know the Mavericks finally you know would even break three break break through, tie the game up. Even had a lead for a couple minutes. So it, not a com not a complete or convincing uh, win. It by any means, in my opinion, from the Jazz. But anyways, the Timberwolves will get the best of the Grizzlies. Now, this one would have surprised me, actually. 130 to 117, of course, the Timberwolves lead the series um, right now. Uh, Anthony Edwards, again, just one of the best young players right now. Um, we talked so much about John Morant, but Anthony Edwards, 
Um, he slid under my radar for just a little bit, but he's back on it. 36 points, 6 assists from him. Of course, Carl Anthony did his thing. 29 points, 3 assists, 13 rebounds. And Malik Beasley, 23 points and 5 rebounds from him. Of course, uh, the Grizzlies played a decent game as well. Uh, John Morant will get you 32 points, 8 assists, and 4 rebounds. Dylan Brooks will get you 24. And Desmond Bain got you 17 points and 3 rebounds. Uh, but for the Timberwolves, they will shoot 50%. And that will be the you know the pretty much the factor for them in you know they dropped 16 threes everything seemed to fall for them and you know that's what happens they just they just had some volume shooting that night and uh it came through it definitely came through and uh memphis didn't have answers for game one we'll see what happens game two but in game one uh they didn't have no answers defensively that being memphis but let's move on uh the sixers uh get the best of the raptors 131 to 111 blew them out I'm not too surprised about this one. I'm not too sure what the Raptors have to offer. They play decently defensively, but they, they can't put up a whole lot of points. But Pascal Siak will be the leading scorer for the Raptors, 24.7 assists as well, and uh, three rebounds on top of that. OJ Anubi will get you 20 points and seven rebounds. And for the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey. Man, where you come from, dog? 38 points, four assists. Now, I don't watch all their games, so maybe I missed it. Maybe I've been missing something, but I, I ain't seen a score stat line from this dude like this. 38 points. Wow, four rebounds. He did decently from three, too. I mean, I'm telling you, the Sixers, they raw. They raw, man. I don't got... See, it's hard for me to pick a, a, pick a winner in all this because there's too many good teams, in my opinion. Sixers are good. Grizzlies are good. But the Timberwolves, they're surprisingly good. They're good, too. I mean, I know the Mavericks with Luka are, are good. Um, so, I don't know, man. This is up in the air. But anyways, back to the Sixers. Tobias, uh, Tobias Harris will do his thing with 26 points, 6 assists, and also 6 rebounds. And James Harden, I mean, you know, they're getting on him, you know, with his efficiency. People are talking a lot of stuff about that, giving him a hard time. But he's doing all he can do. And I, you know what? I'm a, I'm a sucker for assists. I, I you know I, I I like you know getting other people involved, and particularly when it makes other people look good. Like Tyrex Maxey, he was benefiting from those assists, and I'm pretty sure Harris was as well. You know, for what it's worth, he might not have shot the best in terms of percentage, but James Harden, I'm gonna give it to him. He played a decent game, and I'm I'm not I'm gonna stop giving him such a hard time. I hope he wins something at some point because. I think he takes a whole lot of uh, criticism, more so than uh, maybe uh, probably second most, in my opinion, next to LeBron probably, and maybe at this point because of just where we at right now. In this point, as of today, probably Russell Westbrook. So maybe third most if we count, you know, modern-day Russell Westbrook. But anyways, um, let's talk about the Nuggets and the Warriors. The Warriors are looking super dangerous. I think they have one or two uh, really deep runs left in that tank, in my opinion, with the squad that they have. Even with you know, like I said, Steph and you know Clay. And that's not to say because of, I, and there's two factors into why I'm saying that they have one or two uh, deep runs left, and they're looking super dangerous. The reason why I'm saying that is two things. Just because of you know just age, I see Draymond regressing. Um, even Clay, you know, he's not where he was. Jordan Poole was the leading scorer in this for this squad. Steph again. Not where you know where you would normally see them in a game like this, you know, with a score like this. Normally in the past, you would have seen Steph and Clay both maybe get thirty, 
But last, well, sorry, not last night, but in that first game, you see Jordan Poole, the most improved player in the league, get your 30. So I'm like, mm, this is interesting. Uh, so I, I do see Jonathan Kaminga probably playing a factor in this as well. Uh, just because, like I said, I feel like Draymond Green is progressing. So I feel like, again, don't don't sleep on Clay and Steph. Of course, they get, they get hot. When they get hot, they get automatic. Can't nobody touch them. Okay, but you know, if they gotta rely on Jordan Poole to get them thirty every night, I don't know thirty or thirty or more every night. I don't know if that could happen, but I don't think the Nuggets are are equipped enough to push them in this round. That's just what it is. But like I said, um, like I said, age, possibly health, um, will hamper this team. I think in in the somewhat future, and also it's just the fact that there's so many there's so many good teams out in the West. I mean, again, it, the Suns are still good. Now you you you're seeing what what the Mavericks can do and even the Timberwolves can do, so it's it's not gonna be an easy road in the future in the West. That's all I'm saying. It's gonna be very difficult to navigate. I I don't see even the Pelicans have the potential to be a, a even better team in the future, possibly a third or a fourth seed, you know, annually. So it's not gonna be easy for the Warriors, but I do see them being dangerous right now. Like I said, one two. In my opinion, championship runs before everything kind of like, you know, at least Steph and Clay start to show their age and you might have to start, you know, making some real changes. But anyways, like I said, Jordan Poole will lead uh, actually both teams in scoring with 30 points. Clay will put up 19 for the, for the dubs and also a few rebounds. And Steph will get you 16 points and four rebounds. And for the, uh, the Nuggets, of course, Jokic. Um, We'll get him 25, 6, and 10. And Will Barton will be his help. 24 points, 5 assists, and 6 rebounds. Like I said, I don't think the Nuggets have what it takes to push the push the Warriors at this time. So we'll have to see what happens deeper into the playoffs. But I still think the Warriors are just a dangerous team nonetheless. But let's move on uh, to Sunday's action. We have the Heat blowing out the Hawks 115-91. to 91. For the Hawks, Danilo Gallinari and DeAndre Hunter will be your leading scorers. Uh, Gallinari will get you 17 and 5. Uh, 17 points and 5 rebounds, and DeAndre uh, Hunter will get you 14 points. And uh, for the Heat, Duncan Robinson will be the team's leading scorer off the bench with 27 points. Jimmy Butler will put up 21, uh, 4 assists, and also 6 rebounds. And P.J. Tucker even got into the action, scoring in double digits with 16 points and getting 5 rebounds as well. Uh, I think the big story from the game was Trey Young. Um, maybe he choked a little bit. 8 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. That's not a... That's not a trade-worthy opponent, uh, of performance by any means. Uh, 38% shooting from the field from Atlanta, 27% from three. So, again, they just could not put the bucket, the ball in the bucket, <laughs> excuse me. And they hate the Heat will force 12 steals and 18 turnovers. This is kind of what the Heat do. They play decently offensively. I think they're a top-10 team, if I'm not mistaken, but their calling card is their defense. They force turnovers. They force steals. They keep you from scoring uh, at a really great percentage. So, th that's what the Heat do. That's what they bring it to the table. I think they're they're uh, they're legit the number one seed. But let's move on. We got the uh, the Celtics. Uh, they get it done, uh, one fifteen and one fourteen in game one versus the Nets. Of course, they take the early lead in the series. Uh, Kyrie will put up thirty nine for the Nets, six assists and also five rebounds. And KD will put up twenty three, three assists and also four rebounds. So the Celtics, Jason Tatum would have thirty one points, eight assists and four rebounds. Jalen, uh, including the game winner, on top of that, and that was an amazing shot, by the way. Um, the Celtics got. I think the Celtics, they um, 
they've had so many uh, years uh, to be in this position. They've been have so many playoff runs. Um, they've come up short. They, you know, they faced off against some of the best best teams in the Eastern Conference. Excuse me, uh, whether it be that uh, 2020 or 2019 squad uh, that was uh, a, a Toronto squad uh, that was led by Kawhi. Just so many, uh, so many chances they had. Uh, so many times they come up short, but I think they're. Tr- I mean, they're doing what they can. Um, they're trying. <laughs> um, Jalen Brown put up twenty uh, six assists and three rebounds. Al Horford put up twenty points and fifteen rebounds. Marcus Smart would have a couple key plays as well. So, uh, you know, a lot's been said about this uh, squad in the past few years. I think they're trying to turn the corner. I mean, it's gonna, this is a great test in round one to see if they if they got enough. If they got enough, because they got to face the Sixers and possibly and all those other guys. But if they can get past get past the Nets, then you know who knows. I mean. Um, we'll have to wait and see. So, uh, up next we have the the Bucks. Uh, they they get the game one win of the Bulls, ninety three to eighty six. Now, this one I was a little bit surprised about until I found out that the Bulls have struggled against this team in the regular season. So now I'm just like, oh, this might be a sweep or a gentleman sweep, which would suck. Damn. Um, but anyways, uh, for the Bucks, Giannis would have 27 points, 16 rebounds, a few assists. Uh, Brooke Lopez would come up a clutch, particularly in the fourth quarter with a few good shots leading to fouls, three-point plays, 18 points, five rebounds from him. And Drew Holiday uh, will get 15 points, six assists, and also six rebounds. And for the Bulls, Nikola Vucevic will be the team's leading scorer with 24 points from him, 17 rebounds. Uh, we also had DeMar DeRozan doing his thing with 18 points, six assists, and eight rebounds. A little bit of an inefficient night from him, so we'll see what happens. And uh, Zach Levine will get you 18 points as well, and also 10 assists and a few rebounds. And moving on, uh, to cap off round one, we have the Suns getting it done against the, the Pelicans. Excuse me, 110 to uh, 110 to 99 uh, for the Pelicans. CJ will lead the way for them with 26 points, six assists, and five rebounds. Brandon Ingram will get 18 points and also four assists. And Jonas Valanciunas will get 18 points as well. And sorry. Um, Yes, 18 points on top of that. Now, moving on to CP3, he'll get you 30 points, also 10 assists and 7 rebounds. We got Devin Booker getting 25 points and 8 rebounds. Sorry, 25 points, 8 assists, and 4 rebounds. And DeAndre uh, Ayton scoring uh, scoring 20-plus and getting 9 rebounds. So, uh, typical Suns game. Actually, the Pelicans made it a lot closer near the end, but the Suns, they just seem to have they just had to have what it takes to get it done, particularly in those clutch situations offensively. Uh, but um, let's move on. Uh, like I said, we are at the end of the season, so that leads us to the MVP discussion. This year, we have a three-man race. Jokic, really, I think it's been kind of determined. Uh, but I think your top three finalists are going to be Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, for Jokic, he uh, he's currently, well, he was at, he averaged 27 points in the regular season, over 13 rebounds, almost 14, and almost 8 assists as well. Uh, he will lead the NBA this season with win shares at 15.4, also shooting at 58% from the field. So again, he scores efficiently. He scores uh, really decently for a big man. He has a uh, three-point stroke as well, uh, but he also leads the league in defensive rebounds, uh, or actually total defensive rebounds at 813. Uh, actually, total rebounds. Excuse me, let me take that back. At 813, and he also leads the league in PER with 32.9. His plus minus is first with a 13.1, and the Nuggets, of course, they finished the regular season 48 and 33, the sixth seed in the West. So, um, a pretty solid season for him 
Of course, we know about Jamal Murray uh, being out the whole the whole year. We also had Michael uh, Michael Porter Jr., one of their other top scorers, being out. So he was pretty much the offensive focus, and uh, the team uh, the team pretty much went through him. And you know, we saw that on the court. And I think in terms of the definition of most valuable, I think this season it would. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's a no-brainer. I would put it with Jokic. Uh, but again, we know we know other factors might play uh, play into this. We have Embiid, who leads the league in scoring uh, with over 30 points a game. Uh, he was also sixth in total rebounds. Of course, the Sixers will finish 50 and 31, fourth in the East. Of course, with all the, the you know the action that's going on in the East right now, uh, that might you know be a factor. But like I said. You know, you had, I mean, you got a lot of talent on that Sixers team and a solid coach. Uh, but with, again, with Denver, it's just Jokic. <laughs> like, even with Milwaukee, you know, everybody likes to give Giannis all the love. Uh, he's currently second in scoring. Uh, but again, he's actually helped out by a decent supporting cast. Brooke Lopez, of course, we talked about um, Drew Holiday. He didn't shoot well uh, last night, but he's had pretty great playoff games. Chris Middleton as well. So, again, he, you know, he has his, uh, he he has his help too, uh, but for Giannis, he's also second in defensive plus minus with four point five, and he's also a top ten uh, defender in terms of rating. So we got some, we got some things to talk about here. I mean, in terms of this race, but um, I got Jokic. You know, he's, I think he's meant most, the most to his team, and I mean, without Jokic, I mean, this team wouldn't be anywhere. They're missing Michael Porter Jr. And, uh, you know, Jamal Murray, they probably won't even be in the playoffs. So, again, you got to give credit where credit is through. Credit is due at least for this season. Now, before I let y'all go, I want to give my final thoughts on what happened with the L.A. teams, uh, both the Clippers and the uh, the Lakers. Let's start off with the Clippers. I mean, sorry, with the Lakers. And, um, you know, everybody, you know, they I've, I've heard many, you know, different stances on this and many different takes on this about what all fell apart. Everybody, you know, wanted to talk about LeBron. Everybody, you know, went in on Westbrook for a very long time. Everybody named him one to defend Westbrook and wanted to take a bath for him. And, you know, oh, God. And then, of course, you had, you know, just a myriad of issues. Now, I think it's a, personally, it's a mix of all that. Um, you can't say that Russell Westbrook had a great season because he didn't. By, by, by his measures, maybe. And by his fans' metric, maybe he had a decent season, fine. But it didn't lead into any success for the Lakers. And uh, if we look at it all, you know, he's 44% from the field, 29% from three, 15 PER. That's not good. Okay, he gave up a lot of turnovers. That's not necessarily that good. Uh, he led the league in turnovers in the last two seasons. Now, we'll have his fans and his his, his uh, groupies say he's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, when it's all said and done, yeah, the, the the Basketball Hall of Fame is not that hard to get into, probably. Yeah, with his triple doubles, sure. But he doesn't, he doesn't play winning basketball. And whose fault was it to get him to come to the Lakers? I don't know. I don't care. But he was there, and he didn't work. And it's a part of what it's a part of what held them back. Crucial turnovers and crucial moments. He couldn't put the ball in a basket when everybody else, you know, was struggling. He has a role to play. Does that, you know, say does that leave LeBron for the hook? No, because I believe he showed his. If any year he's showed his age, it was this past season. 
He's missed various games as well due to just him being tired or with injury. And at times, he just looks gassed out there. And he was a, the league's leading scorer. But he looks fucking gassed, dude. He looks like he's had enough mentally, uh, you know, well, physically, uh, if anything, at times mentally, he looks like he's had enough. What can I say here? Of course, we have AD. Uh, he's been out with injuries, had his injury bug. That plays a factor as well. He's a big contributor when he's healthy. He's been out since February, off and on, since with a foot injury. He suffered a, a MCL sprain in December. He had missed 17 games. He spent last season dealing with injuries as well to the calf and his heel during the regular season. He also was ineffective during the playoffs with a sprain growing. What do you do? And it's so bad that, of course, Kareem, you know, he he recently said some stuff about LeBron. Now, he wanted to he wanted to make it all about, you know, what he said outside of basketball and his political takes. But really, he's just taking shots because they're losing right now and everybody wants to, you know, be critical of LeBron, which is why I have an issue why when people get offended to, to why people call out Russell Westbrook. Y'all call out LeBron daily. Y'all sit there and talk shit about LeBron all day. We can't talk shit about Russell Westbrook. The man ain't that great. And do I believe that he should be hassled to the point where people are saying, oh, we'll shoot you or you're killing him or something like that? Threats is one thing. But you can call him Westbrook because he bricks shots. Get over it. If you can talk about how LeBron choked in 2011 and never let that go, then I'm not going to let go this season for Westbrook. Now, get over it. You know, three major factors played into the to the demise of this team. LeBron being old as hell and not having a proper rest cycle and having a really cohesive, um, reliable starters around him and in a, in a support system in terms of, um, you know, auxiliary and bench players around him to keep him rested. It's a, it's a mixture of Russell Westbrook being trash this season, at least. And, of course, AD being injury-prone as a motherfucker. Three three major things here. And, of course, they're going to fire Frank Vogel because they don't like him. But whatever. You got you know, you know Kareem trying to call him out, call out LeBron. LeBron talking about he ain't even listening. I ain't paying attention to what you're talking about. It's a shit show. And let's not even get into the Clippers. I only can say two or three things, really, about the Clippers right now. Flipper pack. Choker pack. That's all they do. Kawhi out. He ain't never playing. I don't know what the hell's going on. They got rid of Doc Rivers. Like, oh, we're going to be so much better now. Psych. <laughs> Same thing. Matter of fact, you didn't even make it to the playoffs. So, I mean, y'all got problems. Thank God y'all got the Rams right now. Let's see what happens with the Dodgers, too. Because, man, y'all got, man, y'all ain't got nothing to root for in basketball right now. Both y'all teams are garbage right now. Just being honest. What it is. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a quick break and we come back and we're breaking down some MLB action. I'm going to be talking about the scores over the weekend. Also, breaking down, of course, the conclusion of all the drama and the, and the lockout or the holdout, whatever you want to call it. And then, of course, we'll be breaking down some teams uh, and just what to look for in terms of the new season. All right, y'all. I'll be right back.
All right, y'all. Let's get back into it. And of course, we are. Well, a new MLB season is upon us, and like I said, everything has you know worked itself out. We are, like I said, we are about a week into the season, so I'm a little bit behind on my previews, but I'm gonna get through them. And of course, we're now into game recaps, and of course, we're getting back into the news and the swing of things in terms of this lovely pastime we call baseball. But just a kind of brief synopsis of the ending of everything in terms of that lockout. Uh, the league will get locked out starting in December, December the second to be exact, with both sides failing to reach an agreement. The players' union, and of course, the league itself. The groups wouldn't uh, meet for any discussions in this time uh, until about January, and uh, they would continue the conversations through February and up to March 10th. They took a 10-day trip to Jupiter, Florida, and they had 10-hour-plus meetings, and they wouldn't leave and all this. And finally, the, the deal was reached by March the 10th, and the teams will start off the regular season about April the 10th. So like I said, about a, we were about a weekend to everything. So in terms of the CBA, a.k.a. the Collective Bargaining Agreement, uh, from now on, when we talk of sports, CBA stands for Collective Bargaining Agreement. I'm not saying that every time I discuss these things. So anyways, uh, they raised pretty much the, the new CBA includes raise minimum salaries, pre-arbitration pre bonus pool. Uh, we also are going to be raising, well, they're also going to be raising the tax bracket thresholds. Again, these are all business things, and I kind of understand all this. they also going to be including, in terms of the, the playing of the game they're going to include a universal designated hitter uh what that means is national league and american league is a designated hitter which i've always thought should have been utilized i mean unless a pitcher can hit like shia otani why is he hitting why is he in why is he at the plate it's a waste of time national league get it together anyways uh, we also have service time change limits. And what this means is there's going to be a limit on the number of times a player can be optioned. Um, I'm not a, in terms of the, I, I, again, a term, I know, you know, how the game is won. I know how the game is played, things like that, trades and all that. But all the ins and outs um, of like, a, you know, going up between minor and major leagues i couldn't tell you all what it means but in my in my best understanding uh basically what what the, what the players wanted to do behind this is pretty much um you know in, increase the amount of time you know a player is in the pros because it gives them more experience and therefore it affects you know it's all about pay uh pay rate as well Okay, um, there's a lot of again. These are my layman's definitions. I'm not a baseball businessman. I couldn't tell you all the ins and outs of that. But pretty much, again, it's it's to keep pretty at surface level is to keep the teams and the in the in the um, the teams from just keeping a player out of minor league state for a while or just pushing them back and forth all season long to be cheap on their end. You know, if they're playing on the pro level, they should be getting compensated as such. It's a lot to do with compensation. Uh, there's also going to be a possible international draft, and they're also looking to expand the lottery draft. And these are just some of the surface things. But long story short is the league is back, and we have some stuff to talk about. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. Like my, uh, like I said, we have some team previews to get through uh, for the 2022 season. Uh, we are going to get through the AL teams first. So AL East, AL Central, AL West. I'm going to break these teams down. And then uh, hopefully within a day or two, um, 
just got to get through everything and get my energy levels right because of course y'all know I got to work it is what it is I work you know work five days a week <laughs> so um hopefully we'll get to the we'll get to the point where this is going to be paying me specifically and I can do this five days a week I love that oh man that that's the dream but now I got to work to that point so it like I said, today we'll be breaking down the AL teams, American League. And then, like I said, next uh, three days max, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to have something. Uh, we're going to be going through the National League team. Really one or two, but I'll just be on, you know, because, again, I got to work. So we'll see how the energy level is, is working. So three days max, because, again, we are in the midst of the season. I don't want to get, you know, you guys, you know, we're – you know we gotta you know we gotta go we gotta do it <laughs> like i said the, the season is on right now so uh let's break down the al east real quick uh starting off with the tampa bay rays uh this is the the world series champion this is this is the, the team that everybody's looking out for 100 wins last year um in the al east we're gonna start off with the tampa bay rays uh we uh well last year they had 100 wins uh, they would lose three games to one in the ALDS over Boston. They would end up winning the AL East, though, in a regular season. And last year, they were a pretty solid team. Uh, they were seventh team batting average uh, with a 243. They were sixth in on base percentage and also fourth in slugging with a 430. Uh, they were actually third in team home runs with 222. And in terms of pitching, they were a really solid team as well. They were first in the American League in ERA with a 3.67. They're also fifth in saves with a 40 with 42 of those as well. And uh, what to look out for in terms of players for this squad? Uh, you know, Francisco Franco is going to be an emerging name this season. He was pretty solid last year, uh, but he's definitely somebody on the radar this year as well. 288 average, five uh, sorry, 347 on base, and also a 463 slugging percentage with an 810 OPS. He had 39 uh, RBIs last year and also seven home runs in his inaugural season. Uh, but again, expect for things to uh, things to definitely increase in those in those categories let's move on we had the blue jays here they would finish 91 and 74 but they would finish fourth in the al east last season they were second in batting average uh third in on base percentage and also first in slugging percentage they have a they have a good squad with some power hitters here of course we know about vlad guerrero jr a 1.002 ops again East. Uh, 48 home runs last year. He led the majors, and he also had 111 RBIs. Uh, they also were uh, fifth in team ERA in the AL. So um, they had some good things going there last season. But, however, they did lose a couple solid pitchers, uh, Robbie Ray and Steven Matz over the offseason. They still got Hyunjin Rio, who is still solid, who is a former Cy Young candidate, but uh, but they've also made some additions uh, to this team as well. They picked up Matt Chapman, uh, so you know in terms of uh, from the Oakland A's. So they, this team is still looking solid. They lost a few players, they gained a few players. I still think this is going to be one of the top hitting teams going into this season. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, we have the Yankees here, 92 and 70. They will finish second in the AL East, but they will lose in the wild card game to their dreaded rival. White Sox. A key addition to this team last over the course of the offseason, of course, was the uh, third baseman Josh Donaldson. He was hit a 247 last year with 26 home runs and also 72 RBIs. Uh, again, this team overall wasn't that bad. Uh, they were an average team in terms of batting average, but they had a pretty solid on base percentage and also a pretty solid slugging percentage with a 
sorry, 0.408. Um, Aaron Judge uh, did reject uh, his recent extension. So there's a question about what his future holds with the team. Uh, they were offering a seven-year, 213 million, excuse me, dollar contract. But he didn't want to come back. He doesn't want to come back. Well, he doesn't want to sign that contract, <laughs> per se. But um, this is a team that was third in Team ERA last season. Of course, they were led by Garrett Cole, a uh, really solid pitcher, at least in the AL. They were third in the AL. And uh, they uh, he will finish this uh, last in 16-8 with a 3.28 ERA, a 1.05. 9 whip and 248 Ks, which was, I believe, top three in terms of strikeouts. Uh, however, he has been struggling so far uh, this season. He's had two starts so far. He gave up six earned runs and about six innings so far work this year. Uh, Lag Guerrero would hit two on him uh, at some point, I believe, during the weekend or uh, maybe last week, I believe it was. So he's been struggling. But again, it is relatively early. Uh, moving on, we had the uh, White Sox here. Uh, they finished second in the AL East, tied with the Yankees, 92 and 70. Uh, they will lose four games to two in the AL Championship Series over uh, to the Astros, uh, but they would sign. They would make a, a solid. Uh, off-season signing with shortstop Trevor Story. Uh, he's he hit a 251 average last year. He had a 329 on-base percentage and a 479 slugging percentage. He also would have 24 home runs with 75 RBIs last year. He's a two-time All-Star and a two-time Silver Slugger. So that is what the Red Sox are bringing into the fold. Already adding that to the team that was top three. Uh, I would say they were top three in batting average and slugging percentage. Uh, they were also six in home runs with over 200. Uh, and also they were first in RBIs as a team as well. And as a team, they were a solid pitching squad, over 4.26 ERA. So, okay there. Uh, they're looking to improve there, but definitely a solid hitting team going into the year. And finally, we have the Orioles, 52 and 10. 50, sorry, 52 and 110 was their record last year. Of course, last in all of baseball, worst record. Um, pretty much bottom of the AL in terms of uh, you know batting average and slugging and all that. Uh, they also had they were also last in team ERA with a, a with five uh, with a five point eight four, so almost six runs a game. Uh, they were giving up almost. You know, one and a half hits a game uh, with their whip. The whip is at 1.4 last season. So giving up a lot of hits, giving up a lot of earned runs in terms of their pitching. And just overall, a struggle, a struggle. As normally it is in Baltimore. But they always talk about his, his farm system. But I don't know. But yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, let's move on to the AL Central. We had the Twins. They were finished last, last season, uh, despite going to the pre, uh, the playoffs the previous year. Uh, but they were finished 73-89 and 89 last in the, in the division last year. Uh, they were average in terms of their hitting as well, ninth in team batting average. But they were second in home runs. This is a team that hits a lot of home runs. They don't necessarily hit for average, I'll tell you that. But they do hit home runs. Second, Like I said, second in the AL in home runs last season with 228. Jorge Polanco would lead the team in that stat with 30 three of those and a couple key uh, key additions excuse me would be uh, catcher Gary Sanchez they got him from the Yankees he's a two-time all-star he would hit 23 home runs as well as 53 RBIs last season and he also picked up shortstop Carlos Correa from the Houston Astros this one was surprising uh, last year he had a pretty solid hitting slash with a 279 366 and a 485 he also had 26 home runs last year and 92 RBIs overall though 
in terms of pitching, not really that good. They were near last in team in terms of team ERA with a 4.83. They were last in terms of earned runs with 762, and they were 12th in strikeouts. So again, not much to be not much uh, to talk about in terms of pitching. So that was their Achilles heel last year. Let's let's hope that they did something to address that because. For what it's worth, this is a solid hitting team. They hit they hit for power. And they also got a couple guys here that can hit for numbers and hit for contact as well over the offseason. So hopefully their pitching staff can be rectified. Uh, they do have um, Buxton there, uh, the top center fielder. He's a really solid defender, a silver slugger candidate, you know, golden glove also candidate type of candidate. Um, oh, I can't, I can't get his first name right, but, you know, the center fielder, Buxton, I can't remember his first name right now. I'm sorry, y'all, but um, he's solid, but that's about all they got right now. I mean, uh, this team really fell off from 2019, or sorry, 2020 to 2021. That's that's all I can say. Uh, we had the Chicago White Sox here. Uh, they would finish, uh, was that, I'm sorry, they would win the AL Central last season. They would finish 93 and 69, but they would lose three games to one in the ALDS, of course, to the Astros. Uh, really solid uh, team here. They were second in on base percentage in the AL last season with a 337. They also fourth in batting average. They were fourth in team OPS with a 760. They're also second in team ERA. So a balanced squad here. They hit pretty well. They pitched pretty well. Uh, they were fourth in saves in the AL with 43. They also first in strikeouts with over 1,500. So again, uh, you know, really solid. Uh, they were led by Lucas Giolato. He's one of their better pitchers on the mound last season. Uh, he's coming back this season. But last season, he would have an 11-9 record uh, with over 200 strikeouts in a 3.53. ERA, mind you, uh, that that record wasn't all that eleven and nine, but that's not so much of an individual stat, um, and that's not something that you know always defines how good a pitcher is. It, it's a part of it, but don't look so much into the winning, the win loss record. Look into ERA, look into things like WHIP, uh, walks and hits per nine, things like that. Look out, look at stats like strikeouts per nine innings. That's what you want to look at. Moving on, we got the Guardians. They finished second in the AL Central, 80 and 20, 80 and 82, excuse me, last season. Uh, this was a middle of the road. Actually, I would say in terms of hitting, uh, near below average, pretty below average in terms of hitting with a 238 team average. They were also 10th in terms of ERA last season, team ERA. They also 8th in the AL in terms of runs allowed with over 670. Up next, we have the Tigers. They finished with a surprising 77 win season. Of course, that's still only third in the division, but they were expected to finish a lot worse. And they finished, they had a pretty good finish to the regular season on, as, on the top of that as well. Um, they were average in certain team stats, though, in terms of home runs. They finished with just 179, so that was 13th in the American League. And they also finished 11th in Team OPS with a 707. But again, things got better near the end of the season. And over the offseason, they added a few decent play a few good actually a couple good players with Javier Baez and also Austin Meadows with the Tampa Bay Rays moving on we have the Royals here they were finished fourth in the central uh, division with a 74 and 88 record they were 13th in team OPS and 11th in team on base percentage with a 308 they also finished last in terms of home runs they only got 163 of them and they struggled on the mound as well as a team with a team ERA of 465 so not too much to say here a lot of holes to be addressed they still have some solid hitters there like uh, Salvador Perez but that's about it that's about it moving on we have uh, the AL West here uh, we're gonna wrap things up 
here almost. Uh, we have the Rangers here. They finished last in the division, 60 and 102. They finished 14th in batting average with a 233. They also finished 15th in run scores, which is which is 625. Uh, they would spend 800 million though in free agency. So they're looking for those things, those investments to turn in for them. They have Marcus Simeon that they got uh, from the Blue Jays last season by way of Oakland. He played in Oakland in 2020, uh, but he finished with a 265 average last year, 334 on base percentage and a 538 slugging percentage. Uh, one of his best seasons in his career last year in Toronto with a 767, uh, 767 is here the OPS with 45 home runs and over 100 RBIs. He was a Golden Glove winner, a Silver Slug Award winner, and also finished third in the MVP race. So they're looking to hopefully do something. <laughs> they uh they added a few couple pitchers as well a couple pitchers as well to that um they'll be in terms of their pitching um as a matter of fact they did finish near the bottom um of the AL 13th to team ERA 13th and runs allowed uh they will be bringing back John Gray solid pitcher uh decent whip 1.3 okay ERA 4.5 uh, I think they uh, invested in him in terms of the offseason as well, uh, bringing him in uh, with a contract. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, I'm not too sold on the Rangers, but again, it is April. <laughs> um, but we have the Mariners next up. Uh, this is a surprising team. They finished 90 and 72 second in the West. This is a team that is uh, favored to win outside. It's one of those teams that are favored to win the division, win the division this season outside of the Astros. Uh, uh, they finished, like I said, they finished solid last year with 90 wins. That doesn't necessarily happen for them often. Uh, they did finish last in batting average in terms of the team. Uh, they have a, they had a uh, negative 59, uh, 51 run differential. So they were giving them, they gave up 50 more runs, 51 more runs than they scored. So uh, there you go. Well, they did add some key additions last season with third baseman Eugenio Suarez. They also added a power hitter in Jesse Winker. Uh, he would have a 305 average last year, 394 on base, 504 slugging percentage last season with the Reds with 24 home runs and 71 RBIs. This team, as a pitching staff, they finished 10th in runs allowed uh, with 900, sorry, with 688. They also finished 8th in team ERA. They're looking for Robbie Ray to change those things. He is is a uh, Cy Young winner, of course. He had a 284 ERA last season, which led the majors. Also led the majors in strikeouts uh, with 248. So, again, you know, um, they're looking to make some changes. I think, I think with the addition that they made with Suarez um, and also Winker, of course, Robbie Ray as well. This team might challenge. I think this team could challenge the Astros. I don't think the Astros are as uh, are as powerful as they have been in seasons before. Uh, they lost a few players from those uh, World Series runs. Uh, so, you know, mm, I, I I like uh, if if you know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go on a limb and say I like the Mariners this year. Of course, y'all know I'm an A's fan, but if we're picking a winner right now, I. I I think the uh, Mariners have made some solid improvements. Of course, we'll have to wait till the season plays itself out, but I like the improvements that they made. I think they've made some smart improvements. They played the game smart, and they didn't play that bad last year despite what the stats tell you. Stats are just one part of the story.
it is what it is. We have the Astros here. Uh, they would win, end up winning the AL West. Uh, they would lose in the World Series, though, four games to two to the Braves. Uh, they finished the regular season 95 and 67. They were first in team batting average with a team a 268 in terms of the American League, of course. They were also first in the American League in on base percentage and also fifth in home runs. They also were fourth in team ERA with a 3.76. Justin Verlander is coming back. That's one of the good things I can say about it. They still got Berkman. Uh, they still got Michael Brantley. But again, that team is slowly uh, breaking itself apart. And I don't know how uh, how much longer they can keep up, keep this up, keep this pace up of winning. Uh, moving on, we have the Angels here. They finished last in the division last year, 77 to 85, ninth in team OPS uh, with a seven point. What a, sorry, with a point seven one seven. They also finished 11th in home runs with a 190. They also finished eighth in runs scored. So a very middle of the road team um, in terms of hitting. They were below average in terms of pitching. Uh, 12th in terms of ERA. 12th in total runs. 12th in total runs allowed. Uh, they did bring. Uh, they are bringing back uh, a solid close though with Rosario Iglesias 2.57 ERA 34 saves last year he had a 0 0.929 whip again he'll be going up uh, well he'll be you know paired with the starter of course Shihei Otani of course they're bringing back Michael Trout uh, so this team is bringing back some good players um the question is, can they improve on what they did from last season? I don't, I don't see that happening necessarily. Um, there is some, there, there are some circles that you'll see them finishing maybe second or third. Uh, again, with Houston not being the team it is, a lot of people are kind of ranking them a little bit lower. Uh, you're seeing, you know, a lot of people going with either the Mariners or the Angels. I personally like what the Angels. Sorry, I personally like what the Mariners did over the off season uh, in terms of who they added. So I'm gonna give the nod to the Mariners. Um, I see them finishing second, if not first. Uh, and finally, we have the A's here. Uh, you know, in the words of my favorite, well, this is a title of one of my uh, one. Of, no, sorry, this is a title to an album from one of my favorite bands, City Band. Everything must go. And that's basically what happened with the A's. Despite finishing with a decent 86-win record, uh, they finished third in division, though. So, of course, they didn't go to the playoffs. But I thought it was a solid, okay record with what was going on. Uh, but like I said, everything must go. And they traded away a lot of pieces. They got, you know, they got rid of a lot of solid players. Matt Olson got traded to the Braves. Pitchers Chris Bassett and Sean Manea got traded. Bassett went to the Mets. Manaya went to the Padres. And even Matt Chapman, I mentioned him uh, briefly beforehand when I talked about the, the Blue Jays. That's where he got traded to. And uh, with all that being said, they might still leave. There's some issues coming up with the Howard Terminal. So, you know, there's a lot to there's a lot going on with this team right now. Uh, they were a pretty solid team. I would say they were the top ten team in run scored. They were uh, top ten team in team OPS with a seven uh, with a point seven two three. They also a, a top ten team in terms of team ERA with a four point oh two. Look for those things to not be the same. Look for those things, of course, to to of course worsen. Um, we just we just let everything go, and I don't know why per se. I don't know if we're trying to fire sell this team to make it look terrible to push them out of town, or or we just can't afford these guys, or we're being just cheap like we normally are. We're gonna build up some more players like we normally do. I don't know. Um, I will say this though before I let everything go and get into these scores from the weekend, I do think the the A's might be better suited at this point playing in Las Vegas, and I'm a fan of this team, so. It's a little bit disappointing, but just kind of seeing how things have played themselves out and 
And looking at this team right now, we let go of everybody who could have been considered good, who could have really won us games and stuff like that. And it wasn't like we were that far off, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, but I saw it with it was the writing on the wall. We got rid of Bob Melvin. I thought a lot of the heads were going to roll. Um, I think it's 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 only a matter of time before Billy Bean walks away, and we're completely kind of building everything again. So that's just me. But let's move on. Let's wrap everything up. Let's talk about the scores that we had over the weekend. Let's start off with Saturday. I'm not going to go through all the scores, of course, but just some of the top scores over the weekend. Uh, we had the A's getting a win against the Blue Jays. Uh, seven to five was the final score there uh, for the A's. They were led by catcher Sean Murphy. He would get a two-run home run. Center fielder uh, Christian Punch. Christian Pache will get a two-run home run as well. Third baseman Kevin uh, Kevin Smith will get an RBI. And on the mound, pitcher Lou Trevino will get his second save of the year. For the Blue Jays, Matt Chapman will get a two-run home run against his former team. It hurts. Uh, DH Zach Collins will get a home run as well. Vlad Guerrero will get himself an RBI. Uh, but in terms of pitching, that's what kind of uh, had everything fall apart for the Rays. Huge in Rio, I mentioned him before. He's a solid pitcher in most cases, but uh, Saturday, it didn't come through against the A's. Four innings of work, six hits, and also five earned runs. It wasn't going to get it done. A's get the win, like I said, 7-5. to five. And uh, moving on, we had the Giants get it done against the uh, the Guardians, excuse me. 4-2 to two with the final score. And for the Giants, they got uh, help from Brandon Belt getting two RBIs. Wilmer Flores will get uh, an RBI as well. And for the Guardians, third baseman Jose Ramirez and also center fielder Miles Straw will get RBIs. Um, wrapping up everything for Saturday, we got the, uh, the Cardinals getting it done against the Brewers. Two to one for the Cardinals. Safety, sorry, safety. <laughs> I saw the SS. I was thinking strong safety, but it's shortstop. <laughs> shortstop Paul DeJohn and also DH Corey Dickerson will get RBIs. And on the mound, uh, Steven Match will get the win. He's one and one of the year. He put in five innings of work on Saturday against the Brewers. Uh, he gave up four hits, but only one earned run. He also had a few walks as well. But the important thing is he only gave up one run. He also had four strikeouts as well. On the mound uh, for the Cardinals as well, Johnny, sorry, Giovanni Gallegos will get a save. And uh, let's go on to Sunday. We got the uh, Rays getting it, getting it done against the Chicago White Sox, nine to three. Uh, the Rays are five and five and five currently, and the White Sox are six and three. For the Rays, uh, center fielder Ky uh, Kevin Kiermaier and uh, catcher Francisco Mejia will get two RBIs. Uh, will get an RB, oh, sorry, two RBIs each, and Randy Rosarena will get an RBI as well. For the White Sox, the uh, designated hitter Gavin Sheets will get a home run and an RBI, and on the mound, pitcher Vince Velasquez, he will take his first L of the season, putting in five innings of work, uh, but giving up, sorry, four innings of work, giving up five hits, three earned runs. He would have a few strikeouts as well, but again, the three, the three earned runs and four innings, that ain't going to work. That got him pulled. Uh, the D-backs come up short against the Mets, 0-5. to five. Uh, The Mets are 7-5. D-backs are 3-6. and six. Uh, For the, the Diamondbacks, they were 1-9 with runners in scoring position. They left nine runners on base. So, that's it. Goose egg. For the Mets, they had uh, first baseman Pete Alonso get a uh, three-run home run. Uh, catcher James McCann and also third baseman J.D. Davis bringing uh, runs as well. Uh, the Angels get the, they get the best of the sorry the Angels excuse me get the best of the Rangers eight to three. Uh, for the Angels, uh, we have um, Otani, Mike Trout getting some RBIs. Uh, we have uh, you know 
We have all for the Rangers, Adelise Garcia getting a two-run home run, Willie Calhoun getting a two-run home run. Uh, but on the mound, uh, Martin Perez would struggle. This was his second loss of the year. He's currently 0-2 and two on the year. Uh, he put in four innings of work, gave up five hits, three earned runs, and also five strikeouts. And finally, to cap off the weekend, we got the Padres getting a win against the World Series champion Braves, 2-1. to one. Uh, Currently, the Braves are 5-6 and six on the year. The Padres are surprisingly 6-5. and five. The A's, for what it's worth, are surprisingly 500 at 5 and 5 despite the loss uh, on Sunday. Um, they did lose. They did lose on Sunday. Uh, but for the Braves, uh, actually, no, they didn't play Sunday. No, they uh, finished that uh, that series uh, against the Blue Jays with a win. So yeah, they finished. Five, they're currently 5 and 4. No, 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 no. They didn't play Sunday. I'm right. I'm right. They're 5 and 4 currently. So again. Surprising, Padres, surprising. You thought they'd be a dumpster fire. They fell all apart. But they have a good manager, though, in Bob Melvin. But anyways, uh, for the Padres, they were led by Jake Cronenworth and Austin Ola. They would both get RBIs. You Darvish would get the win. He's 1-1 one one on the year. Put in six innings of work. Got uh, four hits, but only gave up one on the run. He also had eight strikeouts. And for the Braves, Marzell Ozuna would get a solo home run. Uh, but outside of that, there were 0-4 for four with runners in scoring position. And on the mound, uh, Bryce Elder would take the L in this one. He's 1-1 one one on the year as well. In four innings, he gave up three hits, uh, two earned runs. He also gave up five walks as well. All right, y'all. If you're looking to get in touch with me, I'll be leaving my links available to you guys. Uh, my next episode, I will be going over a few different things. Um, of course, NBA playoffs. Of course, we're going to get into some more baseball, all that. I want to get into some uh, some conversation, some um, some identity conversations. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so some something different. Of course, we'll get my hand on the news. I'll get my hand on whatever news is out. And, of course, I have a review waiting for you guys, not just the car wash review that I'm working for, uh, working on for YouTube, but also I'm going to be reviewing J. Cole, well, the new Dreamville al album as well, of course, J. Cole's affiliated. That is his acts. Uh, so we're going to be going over that album um, as well as, of course, the car wash review that will be coming pretty soon. So take a look out for everything. I will be leaving my links available for you guys. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. My computer's about to, lie, about to die. Well, my laptop's about to die. I got to end this real quick. I love you guys. Peace out. I'll holler at you guys later.